With the pandemic that came upon us, the rise of video conferencing tools like Microsoft Teams and Zoom has led to more aspects of the sales conversation to occur virtually. And what began as a crisis reaction has evolved into the new normal. But how normal is the new normal? We're talking about how the strong shift from in-person to virtual selling has transformed B2B sales experience. Virtual sales enablement, new organizations, KPIs, everything is evolving. In the Virtual Selling Podcast, we address these issues in depth twice a week with the experts and leaders of these transformations, heads of sales, sales ops, and sales enablement of the most innovative companies in the field. This podcast is sponsored by SalesDeck.io, the new SaaS platform to make your customer meetings more engaging and better prepared. Find out how you can shorten sales cycles, convert more leads, and increase customer engagement. Virtual Selling is here to stay, and so is SalesDeck.io. Hi, everybody. I'm very happy to be today with Elise Schaefer, sales manager at Next Role. Hi, Elise. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Fine. And you? Uh, we will talk a lot about your back, your journey uh, from uh, pastry to, to a very nice position in sales today. But before, could you introduce us? Who is Next Role and what you do? Sure. Um, so Elise Schaefer, of course. Um, so I work for Nextrol in the Rollworks uh, product division. So Nextrol is a company that really, uh, you know, as they say, they democratize advertising. So we have two different products. We've got uh, AdRoll, which is, you know, uh, B2C, and then we have Rollworks, which is B2B. Uh, Rollworks, you know, also has the capability to do the advertising side, but it is an ABM platform. Uh, so that is who Rollworks is. Great. And your background is not at all into ad tech and technology uh, because you started a, a, a cursors more into pastry. Can you tell us a little bit about what you did five years ago? Yeah, uh, that's always a really fun thing when when someone peeks at my uh, LinkedIn before they speak to me, whether it's an interview process, whether I'm interviewing or they're interviewing with me. Um, so I I went to Le Cordon Bleu in Minneapolis, uh, graduated uh, in my, you know, I think I was 21 or so, 2021. 20, uh, and, you know, I was in the pastry field for a minute. Um, but there was a, a pay cap on the role that I was in. I'm, I'm in Omaha, Nebraska. So there's not there's not a lot that you can do to continue further your career and you can be your own, you know, business owner, your, your own boss. Uh, but even that only gets you so far. If, if your goal is to, you know, try to create, you know, more revenue for yourself, for your family. So I was the uh, North American uh, Google data center pastry chef uh, for Google. And uh, you know, they, I was making $16 an hour <laughs> and 1650, I, I can't recall exactly the number. And uh, I knew, okay, this is a company I make between a 3% and a 5% raise every year. Uh, and then they told me, okay, well, your role specifically has an $18 pay cap. And I said, okay, so I worked this job for however many years. I think at the time I'd actually done the math. I don't recall now. Uh, between a 3 to 5% raise and I hit that pay cap and then what? Uh, and I had interviewed at a casino that was nearby because that would be, you know, in terms of financially, that would be like the most, you know, that would be the job that would pay me the most. Uh, and when I was interviewing with the head chef, he was like, oh yeah, the, the pastry chef before you, he was working like 80, 90 hours a week. And also we want to implement a new bread program. Um, 
and he left because he wanted to spend time with family and uh, the pay was like 80 grand a year, which for me was like, oh my God, that's so much money. Um, but he also, in, in the same breath, he was saying that money, he was saying, oh yeah, the guy had like no life, but he had family, which is why he left. So uh, that that's what prompted me to get into pastry and I loved it. I still do. Uh, but yeah. Why at first you went to pastry because you, you were excited about pastry? You all oh. come yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I was little, I was one of those kids that would get in trouble for grabbing sticks of butter out of the refrigerator and eating it. Uh, and, you know, I actually did go to a university here um, in the States for, I joke, I say it was about like five minutes. Um, I went to University of Nebraska at Omaha for, I think I actually attended classes for about a semester. Uh, and then I spent the rest of that year um, watching my favorite cartoon with my best friend and baking cookies and cakes and pies uh, and then selling them out of my dorm room, which is hilarious and great, but obviously not the, it was not the right college experience for me. So uh, that's, that's actually when I left and, and finally went to Le Cordon Bleu. I was like, okay, I, I kind of blew it here. Uh, knew where my real interests lied, but it's, there's, there's lots of stories like that throughout my life where I was just really, really drawn to baking, whether it was kid or high school or college age so great so i understand that you you, you understood after some months into pastry that the, the the most money you can make would be 80 grand uh working 80 hours a week which is uh, too much uh so you decided to change and uh no we can say that you have achieve uh, at, at least three or four more times money than, than the best chef you knew before was achieving at the end of his career. So what makes you move and what was the move? Yeah, I have two daughters now. At the time, I just had the one. But to be completely honest, there were, were times in my life working in bakeries, I was on food stamps. I was on government assistance. At one point I was on Medicaid, which is, you know, the, like in the States as like free healthcare because you, you don't make enough money. And when I, I got a little bit older, I was able to be in roles, um, you know, because I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a good pastry chef. Like I'm not bad, you know, <laughs> yeah. I was able to get some of the jobs that did pay better and did have health insurance and holidays and, you know, weekends off and things like that. But, you know, health insurance still isn't, isn't good. And, you know, those those are things when you are kind of on your own um, as an adult. It's kind of like blase, like ah, oh, if it happens, it happens. But you know, when you when you've got a kid in the mix, you really have to have to be thoughtful about the career choices that you're making. And uh, at, you know, my daughter at the time just had a lot of um, she had a lot of food allergies and eczema, and so we were always ending up at the doctor for one reason or another. And um, you know, it, it got to a point where I was like, you know, I'd like to take my daughter on a vacation or I'd, I'd like to buy a, a home someday or, you know, the, the health insurance thing, obviously. And um, it, it became something where I just I just knew that I needed to make a change um, and that I didn't have to give up pastry completely to do that. I, I actually still do pop ups in Omaha. Um, but pop up is like a, you know, you you bring all your stuff to like a space. I, I like doing them at dive bars because I, I love dive bars. Um, but you, you know, I do like plated pastries or, you know, different great. things, but, but yeah, that's, that's, um, you know, I still do it, but, but I just, I knew I needed to leave because I, I think at some point you have to call a spade a spade when, when it comes to, you know, doing what you need for your mental health and not, so you don't have to worry about everything all the time. That's for sure. 
And so you moved to sales. Uh, was it difficult to move from pastry to sales to find your first job in sales? Um, it was. It was in some ways. Um, to be fair, there's not a lot of places in Omaha, Nebraska, there to work in in sales. And if if you want to work in a specific tech space, whether it's like SaaS or otherwise, there's even less. And so I had interviewed at Flywheel. Um, and I didn't have any sales experience other than I had worked at Ulta, which is like a makeup, you know, store when I was like 19. Um, and so they were like, we think you're really nice, but you know, we'd like to see some more experience. And that was for an account executive position. And, um, and so I was like, okay, well then I'll go get that experience and then I'll come back, uh, and then I'll work for you. And I had found, uh, they, they call themselves Thrive now. At the time, they were uh, Dex, Dex Media, which is uh, Yellow Pages advertising and uh, Yellow Pages and, and digital advertising. So they were just breaking into like SaaS and kind of rebranding themselves at the time. So uh, marketing automation software is what they were selling alongside their, uh, their, their Yellow Pages. But it... That, that sales floor was not a difficult one to get in, um, I, I think, because it was very old school. It's more, more like a call center. Um, but, you know, getting into the actual, um, you know, SaaS companies, the, the, like two or three of them that were here at the time, uh, getting in there was, was really difficult. You had to know someone and also you still needed to, for the most part, know how to do the job already, which was, you know, it's a catch-22, right? And how do you come to sales? Is it because you, you met some sales guy at Google when you worked there or, or and, and, and into tech also? What, what gives you the inspiration to, to make this change? Um, this is actually a fun story that I, I haven't really talked about. I was actually supposed to open up a bakery in Omaha and um, I was in this, in this area called Benson, which is, you know, kind of like this hip bar and restaurant area. And, uh, you know, any restaurant owner knows, like, when you start doing renovations before you open, uh, you have to kind of be careful. You can't really, like, pay yourself too much. Uh, and so I had no way of, of making savings. And so, you know, at the same time that I had known that I needed to make savings, I told myself, and this is this story, by the way, is kind of in between me knowing for sure that I needed to leave sales and me actually starting sales. Uh, so I had started uh, this this job at Dex uh, and it was 60 grand a year, which I was like, oh my God, that's like, I'm like a millionaire. And uh, when, I, when I got there, I was supposed to only, in my head, I was like, okay, I'll work here for, you know, six months while we do renovations in the restaurant and then I'll be done. And uh, just some, something happened with a business partner where I was like, looking at the paperwork, looking at the things that they were suggesting. And I was like, you know, I'm not actually like, we don't actually have to do this yet. Nothing had actually started and it just didn't feel right. And, uh, and so I pulled out, uh, I said, you know, I, if I'm, if I'm going to do it, it has to be my way. It has to be the right way. And it has to, uh, be fair and equitable for both of us. And it, it wasn't for me at the time. And so I said, best of luck to you. I'm, I am going to part ways and I wound up staying in sales. And I think about, you know, eight months into that job, I had been promoted twice and my manager and I were having a conversation and, um, and she said, you know, you have to decide that you're all in 
because right now you're a roller coaster. You go up, you go down, and that's pretty normal for sales. She said, but once you decide that you're all in, you can really make a career for yourself. And, you know, that's when, you know, I got to a point where I realized like, okay, all the, all those worries that I just told you about Gabriel, all those things, I was like, okay, that this is the moment that I need to decide. And so I, I made a decision and that's the accumulation of all those worries that I'd had as a young mom and as um, someone who just wanted some, some nicer things for my daughter and some things that I just could afford. And so I made that decision and that's, that's really how I landed in it. Uh, but I, I don't talk about that too much. It's, it's kind of a, a bumpy story. And so you understood that you was good for sale at this time also, because you already had two promotion uh, after a few months. Uh, what do you see? And you have no background in sales. What do you think make you a, a good salesperson without background? Um, I, you know, my, my dad is a business owner and my mom uh, had shifted to like a contracting position after like 13 years at a company. And, you know, as, as a kid, just seeing how hard the two of them worked. And of course, like growing up, there were landlines. And so the phone was always ringing. Someone was always trying to sell something, whether it was the general telemarketers that everyone's parents gets to, you know, maybe the ones that were actually trying to sell my dad something more specific. He's an electrical engineer. Um, and I, I think for me, that always connected to me because it was really, it was really disruptive. It was annoying. No one likes telemarketers. Um, but uh, I think... As a kid, I had always wished that they would just get to the point faster. And then uh, as an adult, I, you know, and as a parent, I was thinking about, uh, you know, there's this thing when you're parenting and you're, you tell your kid no, um, but if you don't explain why, then why would they listen to you? And it's a very basic thing and it works with, it's not just children, it's like basic human interaction. And I think, um, I think I, I realized when I was on the sales floor that I just wanted people to do what I would want them to do for me or what I would want, what I would have wanted for my parents when I was younger. And, um, and so I, I just ran a, a very honest sales process. I was myself. And anytime someone told me, um, you know, say it spe specifically like this, you know, read the script, I would, uh, you know, figure out what the script was, what the messaging was behind it. And then I would, not use it. I would uh, use my own vocabulary so it sounded like me. Um, and if they, my clients needed education, I would just, I would just tell them. Like I would, I would teach them all the things that I had just learned uh, in my training um, about marketing and you know anything that I knew that they needed to know in order to know that they were making the best decision for themselves. And I think that's what made a really big difference. Uh, I wasn't taught a formal methodology. Uh, in that sales org, but I figured out pretty quickly that no one wants to make a decision if they feel like you're twisting their arm. And so, you know, all I needed to do was make sure that they had everything that they needed to feel like they were really making the right decision for their business because they were small business owners. Um, and as much as they're buying with they were, their business wallet, I mean, their business wallet is pretty close to their own wallet at the at that SMB size uh, for how small they were. So. I think I think that's what what made the biggest difference on that sales floor for me. So it's it's really authenticity and empathy empathy I would say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So after deciding to stay into sales and to be all in uh, and and having some some few moments uh, with Index, uh, you 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 came back to Flywheel. 
Yeah, it was, um, it was getting to be around Christmas time and I, uh, I hadn't known someone that worked there in the customer success department and he was, he, we were at a Christmas uh, party and he said, you know, we're, we're hiring again. Uh, and so I spruced up my resume and I reapplied and uh, that's, that's how I ended up uh, just getting back into their, their interview rooms and their conference rooms there. And so you get the job this time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll say at, at the time I was a very awkward interviewer. I think I actually uh, it was a well-known thing because we were at a pretty small company. I think I was the hundred and tenth hire. I finger gunned. I don't know if the French people do that. The finger gun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did that in my interview. I was so awkward, uh, but yeah, they they hired me. <laughs> they did great. And there you had a nice career and uh, evolving after two less than two years to to a team lead and then to sales manager. Can you tell us a little bit about this experience? I'm, I'm sure was a, a foundation experience for you. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of, of what got me there. So I had already had um, I'd already had some I call it sales boot camp uh, working in a call center. That's very like. Uh, you know, high pressure, high stakes, like their performance plans were less performance plans and more like perform or someone else will, and you can go perform somewhere else. Uh, and so um, when I when I got onto that sales floor, I had a lot of drive already, whether it was personal or whether it was just kind of a foundation that was set from a previous sales org. And um, I actually came in at an entry level SDR position because they were hiring for their first SDR team. And uh, I was, I was like, oh, thank God, I'll take a step back. It'll kind of be like a break. Uh, everyone who's been in SDR knows that that's not the case. It's a very hard job, but it got me um, another skill set that I that I didn't have really from my previous position. So, um, what happened there is that you know we were very small. I, I want to say our sales team might have been around maybe like somewhere between like fifteen to twenty people when I when we had started, and um, I. I realized pretty quickly uh, that there were a lot of things that we didn't have. Um, and a lot of it had to do with, we just weren't in that hiring stage yet. So um, sales operations, initially we didn't have it. Uh, marketing operations was whoever on the marketing team happened to know about that tool and could help you, or you just get pointed to you know the software support team for that that company. And um, my, my colleague, uh, uh, Kelsey Stokes actually got promoted uh, from account executive into sales operations. And uh, she was just one person. And I realized pretty quickly um, that she was getting bogged down with tickets. And as an SDR team, there are all sorts of routing issues that we would deal with. And so I wound up taking um, a bunch of HubSpot courses, uh, sales enablement certifications, um, just anything that I could get my hands on in the HubSpot Academy that I thought would be relevant, I was taking it. And, um, you know, all that context meant that I was also able to get to know my, our marketing partners better. And so I just asked them questions. And, uh, you know, what wound up happening is that, you know, uh, the team scaled um, and, you know, I think we were at like 16 people by the time I became a, a sales manager or 16 people on the SDR team, excuse me, by the time I became a sales manager. But a lot of what got me that sales manager role was all those courses that I was taking and all the help that I was giving the sales org. And I think when you're at that stage of a startup, they everyone needs all the help they can get. Um, and 
it can certainly be um, maybe bad for some people because maybe they take too much on. But as long as you're not taking on too much, it can also give you the opportunity to do things and learn things and get your hands into projects that you wouldn't otherwise get elsewhere. And um, I think, you know, that's really what, what happened uh, between, you know, me getting, me going from SDR to me getting into management at Flywheel was just all the context that I had to the business, um, even in the back end, like all the workflows in HubSpot. Um, I got to a point where I was just, I knew that we needed a new routing workflow. So I would build one and then I'd send it to sales ops. And then I'd say, hey, does this look good? And she would say, yeah, that looks great. Thank you for doing that. And other times she would say, actually, um, there's something missing here. And she would teach me. And then the next time I would just do that instead. And so that's that's really how all that knowledge um, came to be about. But and, uh, uh, did you have time to, to learn uh, on the HubSpot Academy during your free time? Was it easy with your daughters or you did that at work or how do you manage to, 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 to learn while working and having your kids uh, or two kids also? Yeah, um, some of it I did at home, but most of it I, I just did at work. Uh, you know, I would like over over lunch or something, I'd just kind of be hanging out at my desk and, and passively like watching the videos and, and taking in the material. Um, and, and other times, you know, I, I had a, a leader that encouraged me, um, you know, when, when he eventually figured out that, uh, that I was doing this because I, I didn't really tell people I was doing it, I just was doing it. Um, he started encouraging me to do it and then um, would, you know, told me to like set aside maybe like 30 minutes to an hour each week to work on it. So, um, yeah. And in terms of uh, salary, uh, you made an increase from Dex to Flywheel and from uh, SDR to Sales Manager. Can you tell us about those raise? Yeah, I actually, so it was actually um, a step back into SDR. Um, and in SDR, I, I, this, and these are our Midwest um, pay. And also, um, you know, for anyone listening, it's, this was back in like 2018. So they're, they're pay. things are different now, right? But um, I think I was making around, I think 45 OTE um, as an SDR. And then uh, when I got into sales management, it was 120. Um, and so I was like, holy cow, like that's, that was um, an insane difference for me. I mean, that was that was life changing, um, and uh, you know, it also gave me more stock options. Which at the time, um, I had befriended someone in finance. I had to call and be like, "What is this? Like, I don't know what this is. I'm from kitchens. Like, you have to teach me." Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a very very big difference. And after sales, uh, after Flywheel, you went to another company, and we were already in the middle of the pandemic at this time? Yes, yep. Uh, so uh, after Flywheel, um, we were actually acquired by WP Engine uh, in 2019. And so I spent a lot of time working with WP Engine. Uh, they were more like mid-market enterprise, whereas like Flywheel, we were more SMB. And so I got to spend a lot of time working and managing um, teams on the WP Engine side and then assisted with the... Um, you know, the acquisition, the merger, whether it was like merging the systems, um, the HubSpot workflows were um, quite a project, to be honest. Uh, but the methodologies that each team was using, um, that was, you know, probably one of the more important projects I've had in my career because it was like getting to work for a completely different company. And then also I was able to like 
take one system that I already knew and then another system that I taught myself quickly and then get getting to project manage that with senior leadership and, and really, um, and I think it, it gave me a platform that would have been difficult to have otherwise. But, um, you know, I, I had WP Engine after Flywheel, of course, at that merger and acquisition. And then uh, after that, I actually, uh, I left to go be head of business development at a, a French uh, company called 360 Learning, which you told me you're familiar with. Yeah, today. I know it. <laughs> it's a great, uh, great e-learning company in France. Yes, of course. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's such a, such a cool product. And I, you know, it's interesting. I never, I didn't really have any preference to, um, at the time to the, the company that I had uh, gone to tool wise, like what I was selling specifically or who I was selling to. And um, when 360 Learning came along, uh, just the, the organization is just in incredibly impressive in terms of how they communicate with each other. And the software itself is very sleek and, uh, you know, when it comes to remote uh, onboarding and learning, um, I mean, it's it's incredibly impressive. Um, but yeah, that's I, I landed at 360 Learning as head, head of business development and just helped build out their uh, different top of funnel teams, um, you know, worked with demand gen on some of the routing that was happening, uh, worked on, you know, helping them understand, like, what is your... Um, what are the KPIs that we need to focus on? And, you know, how, how do we create a baseline of like, this is what good is. Uh, and as well as, uh, you know, obviously you want to figure out like a lead scoring matrix and, and all of that stuff. That's the, the work that I did there. But That's uh, interesting. But what is interesting also is that you are not working anymore for an Oman, Nebraska company, but no from <laughs> a Paris, France company or New York at this time, I believe. Uh, so, what what made this change possible working from home uh, um, forgetting about the boundaries uh, with the virtual selling and the pandemic yeah i mean you hit the nail on the head there and i have mentioned too um i'm in omaha nebraska there's like you can work for wp engine or you can work for toast um and as far as SaaS products that's that's it you know and i remember at the beginning of the pandemic um, I was panicking a little bit um, because at that time I wasn't just focused on that I was getting to work remotely from home right then. I was I was thinking, oh my god, you know I'm, you know I'm I know that I'm good at what I do, um, and I know I'm ready for another challenge. I can't move, you know I can't take my daughters away from from where we live now. And did I stunt my career? And uh, that was at the very beginning of the pandemic. And as the pandemic moved moved on and, and people realized uh, this whole time when we've been saying that you can't work remotely, sales isn't successful remote, I think many companies realized that's ac actually the opposite. Some sales teams, you know, depending on the leadership and of course, you know, how everything else is functioning, but some sales teams are significantly more successful remote. But, um, you know, companies being open to remote work, uh, that allowed me to interview for companies I would have never ever had the opportunity to interview for um, and it 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 also helped me network um, I think I think I would not be you know getting to work with the, any of the caliber of people because you can recruit from literally anywhere you can recruit the best talent from anywhere there's no boundaries um, and so I, I think I've it's made a significant change for me and who I can work with, whether it's who's hiring me or who I'm hiring. And it's been, it's been amazing. 
it's been a change also in terms of uh, salaries again because you yes, yes. increased again. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Like I said, I'm in I'm in Omaha, Nebraska. Cost of living. Um, you know, I, I don't know what the stat is now. At, at one point, they had said it's the you know most it's the best cost of living in the states or whatever. Um, and you know, I'm getting paid San Francisco salaries or like New York based salaries. Um, and and no, I didn't have to twist an arm to do it. The companies just know. They're like, well, we don't, we don't care where you live. Um, we're going to pay you what we've budgeted that we know is fair because we also want the best talent. And um, it's been, you know, it, it, like I more than doubled um, the salary that I had when I initially went into sales management uh, when I was getting paid a Omaha, Nebraska sales manager salary. So it's it's been. Um, I'll say it again, life-changing to say the least. Uh, it's, yeah, it's almost a 20-time increase from past three to what you have today, which is, yeah. wow, it's, it's, it's extraordinary. Well, I was, I was able to buy a house. Um, yeah. I mean, so. before, so it's, it's, um, it's, been, it's been a wild ride, for sure. Great. Um, this, is, this episode was much longer than usual, but it was a very nice uh, journey on stories. So thanks a lot, Elise. Uh, this episode of the Virtual Singing Podcast is over. Thanks for sticking around. Join us twice a week for a new episode with new stories and challenge of giants in the field. If you enjoyed today's episode, we, all, we are always listening to, for your feedback. Share the show and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss any episode. This episode was brought to you by salesdeck.io, the virtual selling platform that increases your sales team efficiency and sales readiness, enables remote management and bumps sales operational excellence. Book your salesdeck.io demo today to discover how you can close more deals with engaging and better prep customer meeting. Thanks a lot, Elise. Yeah, of course.